We have probably all heard a parent of teenagers or adult kids at some point say, oh, just brace yourself for those teenage years. There's something else or, oh, just wait till they're teenagers. And you know, when I heard this growing up, it always troubled me. And I always felt like I don't think it has to be that way. And so when you guys responded on Facebook, when I put my feelers out, what you'd want to hear about, and so many of you guys responded with, talk to me about raising my teenager. Well, I have what I believe is a key principle that is going to be one of the most powerful things at unlocking a more connected, trusting, safe relationship with your teenager where respect is more the norm and less the rarity. Okay, so let's jump into this. I'm excited. Let's talk about teens. Hi, and you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenilee Samuel. Okay, hello, friends. I know I'm just so excited to see you guys or uh, kind of pretend to see you guys. I just love connecting with you guys every week. And so in today's episode, you guys heard the intro. We're going to talk about listening to our kids and how profoundly, sometimes it's the simplest changes that make the most profound impact and and change in our lives, right? So before I jump into that though, two things. First of all, stay tuned for the life hacks. In the life hacks, I share two very tiny, simple little tricks that I do that, since we're talking about moods and attitudes today, um, it helps with PMS, helps with the moods. It actually makes uh, that time of the month for me way more pleasant, way more bearable, and all the men in my life thank me for doing this. And it's super simple. So that's in Life Hacks. Uh, and then also just a little shout out to Jess Kofelt who left a review. I think she was one of the first people that ever left a review on the podcast. And so it made my day. Uh, she says, can't wait. First of all, Jen has an amazing, pleasant voice for podcasts. Thank you. I love the encouraging positive vibe and can't wait to hear future episodes. Jessica, thank you so much for leaving that. And y'all, we are at almost 60 episodes. Can you believe that? You guys have been with me so faithfully and it just blesses my heart. I have a goal though. Would you help me get to it? I want to hit 50 ratings on iTunes. I know. That's kind of high. We're at 28 right now. Can you help me get to 50 ratings on iTunes? And the reason why is because when you rate and review the podcast, it helps it populate up higher in search results so more people will find it more easily because it tells the algorithm, hey, this is a popular podcast. Show it to more people. So can you help me hit 20 or sorry, 50 ratings? That would just make my day and it would help us get this podcast and these messages into the hands of more people. And all right, so let's jump in to today's episode. So when I was a youth pastor, my youth girls would tell me crazy things, things that were going on at school, things that were going on with boys. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my gosh, are they telling their parents this stuff? I sure hope they're telling, should I be telling their parents this stuff? (laughs) And so I asked them one time, I remember we were in a car driving back from a special event and they were sharing with me some kind of startling things about what was going on at school. And I remember asking the girls, I said, girls, do y'all talk to your parents about this stuff? Do you let them know? And they were like, oh no, no, we don't tell them this kind of stuff. And I was like, why would you not tell your parents this kind of stuff? And they said, oh, every single one of them said, oh, because they just don't understand. They just don't understand. They just don't understand. 
So I was listening closely because the fact that they all weren't talking to their parents and they all had the same response made me think, okay, this is probably a chronic teenager thing. (laughs) And so I asked them, I said, y'all, if your parents don't understand, but they were teenagers once, why do you think that they don't understand? Because they actually might. And they said, well, it's that they just don't listen. They just get all worked up and they jump down our throats and blah, 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 and they just don't listen. And so I realized in that moment, I had uncovered a gold mine because parents, we, all of us, the whole time when our kids are little, we are able to be bossy, if you will, and direct and just give them instruction. They don't have a grid. They don't have like context for making decisions and reasoning. And so when they're young, we are just programmed that parenting means I give you instruction, you do what I say. Well, as kids work towards the 12 year old mark, they start to develop just biologically and naturally their independence, which biologically, physically, once they hit puberty, they are adults. They're capable of having children. And back decades and generations back, they would actually get married and start families around 13 or 14 years old. We had we had U.S. ambassadors that were at 14 years old to travel across the ocean to um, reason with kings. And so, like, in America, though, even though their body is screaming, I'm an adult, I need independence, socially, we keep them under our authority and under our um, jurisdiction until they're like 18. And so for those six, you know, five, six years, they're living in this place of tension. It's not that they're rebellious. It's that they're trying to understand and discover who they are apart from mom and dad. They're trying to discover their own individual identity and they need some space to do that. And so it's really not that they don't want you in their life. They actually just want to understand who they are, who they're growing into, and they want some independence with their growing adulthood. And so with all of that, it made me realize, okay, so maybe this whole just wait till your kids are teenagers thing is actually fixable. Maybe it's actually solvable. And so I, when you guys asked me on Facebook to talk about teens, I didn't necessarily feel super qualified from the expert level of, hey, I've grown all my kids and they're all amazing. Like my kids are teens right now and then two of them are tweens. So we're getting through those years. Now we have good relationships with our kids. Um, It's not perfect. I wish they would talk more, you know, but in general, I feel like we do have really great relationships with our kids and we have fun with them. We have a good time with them. And so I thought, you know, from both what we've done well and and what we've done as youth pastors and learned as pastors talking with parents and teenagers, um, I think that we have some insight that we can bring to this podcast. And I really do believe that you can have a great relationship with your teenager. And I believe that it comes down to this core fundamental principle that satiates their need for independence and respect and also builds trust in the relationship, and that is the art of listening. Now, listening is like a lost art in America. It We live in a very busy world, a very loud world where everything is handed to us, and the messaging that flies at us throughout the day, I think we take in, I think it's like 3,000% the level of information that our grandparents took in. It's just insane how much more information we take in. So it's actually almost a survival technique that we tune things out rather than processing everything. So all that to say, I don't want you to feel like a failure as a parent if you feel like, wow, I'm not very good at listening to my kids. 
I want you to realize it simply takes some intentionality. And in this podcast episode, we're going to get into um, what the goal of listening is, what atmosphere you're trying to create, some barriers to um, effective listening and communication, and then some practical steps that you can take to create an atmosphere of safe listening for your child. Dr. Caroline Leaf um, said that teens need listening even more than they ever did before as children. She said that even not just mentally and emotionally, but physically, their bodies respond to the stress relief that comes from feeling heard and listened to. Now, I think that is because your teen is exploring their self as an adult and they have so many thoughts, they have so many theories and everything they're testing against life experience, against what you taught them when they were a kid, against what their peers say and their teachers say and society says, they're testing all their personal theories against everything. So the more that you can be available to listen, the safer of a place you'll be for them to test all those theories. And the beautiful thing is if you're a good listener, well, it's retro uh what you sow you will reap, they will listen more to you because they will feel like you genuinely care about them. They can trust you and they'll want to follow your leadership and listen to your voice more naturally when you're a good listener first, okay? The goal of listening. Remember the girl said, my parents just don't understand me. Well, the goal of listening is to create a safe space where your child can feel seen, heard, and valued. I've come to learn in my experience of pastoring, counseling, and whatever, that at the core of every human, no matter what your personality is, no matter what your age is, no matter what your culture is, at the core of all of us is a deep, deep, insatiable desire to feel seen, heard, and like we matter. I think God put that in us to create job security for himself. (laughs) And also it knits us to community. God doesn't want us to go this path alone, right? So he created us where we need and crave community to be seen, heard, and like we matter. Well, any relationship that has breakdown, it has a breakdown, even boss to employee, spouses, kids to parents, friends, every relationship that has a breakdown, it's because somewhere in that breakdown, somebody felt like they weren't seen, they weren't heard, or they didn't matter. That's at the bottom of it. When people feel that way towards God, if they have issue with God, they put on religious pretense, it's because they feel like God doesn't see them, God doesn't hear them, or they don't matter to him. When those three principles are firmly established in someone's heart in a relationship, I see you, I hear you, you matter, the relationship will be healthy. So I want to lay that out as the foundation that we're doing all this building from. I see you, I hear you matter. That is the goal. That is the atmosphere you're trying to create with your child. Okay, so there was a time in my life that I realized just how healing listening could be. I was going through a season where I was dealing with a couple different, very unhealthy relationships. I was feeling quite destroyed by them. And someone came into my life at that time, and it was amazing. They weren't in my life for very long, but they were such a good friend and they provided, they just they just listened to me in a time when I felt totally unseen, totally unheard, and totally unvalued. And I was kind of dying personally, emotionally, 
in the destruction of these unhealthy relationships. They were literally destroying me. Um, this person came along and it was so simple. They just listened to me. They would ask me questions about myself. They would, they would listen. They kept good eye contact. They didn't judge what I was saying. They kind of asked questions to pull it out. They kind of acted like a counselor, really. And, and they were never in a hurry for me to be quiet. They just always made me feel like they were ready to talk. And I just, it was such a, a brief period of time, but it left such a mark on me of how I felt like I came alive again in that short season of time simply because there was someone who treated me that way. And it, it reminded me, it was almost like it shook me up out of my um, out of the pit that I was living in. It it made me realize just how significant that is and made me want to be that for the people in my life and especially my children. And so the fact that you come alongside your child and really listen, listen, and we'll get into what that looks like practically, but really listening to your child, creating that safe space where they feel seen, heard, and like they matter, you are literally going to light up their soul from the core. And you will become that safe place where they will want to go back to. You will feel like home to them because that's what they're looking for. That's what life is about. It's about finding our tribe where we feel seen, heard, and listened to. Listening matters, especially with teens, because it conveys respect to them. When they're growing into adults, that's what they're really looking for. Independence, but also respect because they biologically know they're about to take on the world as an adult and they have to get equipped and it doesn't really do them any services if we're just standing around giving them all the instructions of life and and not coming alongside their maturing process, right? James 1.19 says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And this became one of my parenting mantra Bible verses. We all have those, right? Where there's like this Bible verse that you like, okay, that's right. This is how I need to behave. <laughs> and you pull it out whenever you're struggling. So this one, he paints the picture of being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Remember those youth girls at the beginning? They said their parents were quick to react. They overreacted. They jumped to conclusions. So the girls didn't feel understood. But if, the, if their parents would have been quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, how much, how different would those girls' experience with their parents have been? Okay, so if the goal is a safe, respected space where your kids feel seen, and heard, here are some barriers. We're going to hit the barriers first. Barriers that get in the way of creating that space that we need to deal with these, get them out of our habits. Firstly is prematurely judging the situation or what they're saying. We are all guilty of it. We can all do better about this. Okay. Don't feel, don't feel bad if you are like, yes, that's me. That's all of us. Prematurely judging. One way I see that pop up in my life is when they're starting to tell me a situation and I listen to or look at their situation through the lens of fear and worst case scenario. If you're doing that, you will overreact, dear parent. <laughs> I am a testimony of this. I overreact when I do that, but when I stop myself and I just listen and let them say everything, I refuse to let fear spark in my heart, and I just listen to hear their heart, and through good listening also I ask good questions, then they can actually process that situation better and they feel respected because I gave them space to figure it out themselves, which also conveys that I have confidence in them, right? 
So prematurely judging is when we look at the situation through fear and we make assumptions about them or about the people around them. This does not mean you cannot parent them. But when they're teens and they're coming to an, into adulthood, you need to start to treat them kind of like you would another adult. With other adults, we respect them enough not to just boss them around, right? We ask questions to be polite, to make sure we're not stepping on toes or treating them like a child that doesn't know what they're doing with their life, right? Well, your teen, in essence, really kind of needs that kind of treatment. They need to be treated with respect. Now, after you've listened, after you've processed, after you've talked out all the angles, your role that they're craving is they crave your guidance. They crave your wisdom and they crave your leadership. And so there will be times you'll still need to draw a line and say, I'm sorry, this is not happening. Or there'll be some times that you can say, you know what, I'm going to leave that decision up to you. But whatever consequences come with it, you need to be prepared to pay to deal with the consequences. You know, or it's, hey, I'm proud of you. I think you came to a great decision. Whatever the situation, however you feel led, you still have a responsibility to parent. But parenting a teen is very different than parenting a young child. The second barrier, first one is premature judging. Um, second one is formulating a response before they're even done talking. We've all done this because we are, we are quick problem solvers in general. As moms, as parents, as humans, we like to solve problems for people. I have to stop myself as a pastor and as a parent. I get sucked into this all the time. And so when I notice I am, I'm formulating my response and they haven't even finished talking, I intentionally stop myself and I engage with the heart of what they're saying again. Because if I can engage with the heart of what they're saying, listen, if your heart is connecting to someone else's heart, you will have a response for them when they're done talking. You don't have to spend 20 minutes while they're talking, thinking up what your response will be. If you're naturally connected, you're seeing what they're saying, you're understanding where they're at, you're feeling what they're feeling, you are naturally gonna have questions, concerns, or be excited or whatever. You will have very natural response. You'll naturally be curious. And so stop formulating a response, stop listen and re-engage with the heart of what your child is trying to communicate. Listen deeper than the surface. Which brings us to number three. Do not just listen for facts. And this brings me to a really valuable principle that actually really helped my husband and my marriage, but has helped, you know, I have boys. And so it becomes more of a challenge when it's male versus female. Don't just listen for facts. And so when I say just listening for facts, I mean like logic. Don't just listen for logic to just give logic. When your kids open up and are talking to you, they might just be asking for a logical response. Mom, I need help with my math. Can you help me solve this problem? That's a logical question, looking for a logical response. But if your child is sitting in the car and they're like, oh, my teacher is just so hard on me. And they're just, your kid is trying to express some emotion. And they're going to be looking for a heart response, quite likely. And so instead of just listening for facts, you want to have a heart response when they're having a heart conversation and a logic response when they're having a logic conversation. Your heart and your mind speak two different languages. When uh, Stephen and I had a really hard time working through communication issues for a long time, and we realized that when we figured this principle out, it was literally at the bottom of most of our 
frustrations and, and miscommunications. And the reason it causes so much frustration, when, and I'll give you an example in a moment, is because when you respond to someone who's looking for a heart response, they're processing emotion, and you just give them logic, well, I'm sure your teacher is just tired, and I'm sure it's not as bad as you think, and um, you, just need to, you just need to suck it up, buddy. That's a logic response when they're looking for a heart response, which might be something more like, wow, why is your, why is your teacher so difficult? What's going on? How does that make you feel? And they share the situation. Okay, well, what have you felt like you've needed to do about that? How is that challenging you? How, how, how can you help the situation? Just asking questions draws out their feedback and allows them to process. So a heart response, when someone's looking for a heart response and you give them logic, it causes great frustration because suddenly they don't feel seen and they don't feel heard. They don't feel understood at all. I uh, Here's a great example. Now I'm going to give you uh, an example with my husband, um, but this does show up with our children. So forgive the fact that I'm, I'm talking about a spouse relationship. But so my husband, I had a a mentor who recently passed away just in the last couple months. He had, interp- he had trained me in dream interpretation. And when he passed away, suddenly for me, I had been reaching out to him for about two years. I would send him dreams and he'd give us feedback and stuff, but he never, he told me they were dealing with some health issues, but he never told me how severe it was. And after a while, he just, he wasn't on his email. He was, he was dealing with his health enough. He just wasn't doing any of that stuff. And so I hadn't heard from him in like two years. And then his wife reached out and told me that he had passed. And I was just heartbroken, like heartbroken. So I'm sitting in the bedroom, my husband and I, it's the end of the day. And I'm kind of reeling from it and like kind of processing through some tears. And my husband, I said, man, babe, I don't know what I'm going to do without Bill. Like, who am I going to go to for wisdom on dreams? And who's going to be my sounding board? And who's going to be my safe space to, to learn in this area? And uh, he goes, he totally had a totally logic response. He goes, uh, well, I mean, it's kind of like Bill's been unavailable and, and not really here for the last couple years anyways, because he hasn't really been responsive. So, I mean, it's not that different than the last two years. And I was like, oh my gosh, I know you didn't just say that. Because <laughs> it was so unfeeling. I looked at him and I, I, I told myself, I said, generally, he's not trying to be unfeeling. He's being logical. And so I just, I looked at him, I said, hey, babe, right now I'm processing feelings from the deep places of my heart. I need a heart response, not a logic response. And he was like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, I'm so sorry, Jen. I know this is hard for you that, that he's passed. I'm so sorry. And so I was like, thank you. That's better. And so that is just a little illustration of the difference between a heart conversation and a logic conversation. And so if your child is talking you have to exercise the shrewdness to discern, are they looking for a logical response? Are they looking for a heart response? And listen, it's going to require you be an active, empathetic listener. Put yourself in their shoes. Really listen. If you're just processing out facts from what they're saying, you're going to always give a logic response and your teen is going to go about believing you don't understand them because they don't feel seen and they don't feel heard and they don't feel understood. So make sure to pay close attention. If they're talking about anything with emotion, feelings, if they're demonstrating emotion, they're probably going to be looking for a heart response. It may turn into a logic response later if they need actual solutions. But in the meantime, always address the heart first if that's where they're coming from. 
All right, so that was the first barrier, listening just for facts and not for the heart. The fourth barrier, so the first one's prematurely judging. Second one is formulating a response without listening to what they're saying. Um, third is listening just for facts, heart talk versus head talk. And then the fourth is multitasking. I have had to be very intentional with this. I have four jobs, kind of five, and I'm constantly having to use my phone, having to figure out how to maximize my time. And so my boys, a lot of times there's four of them, I'm outnumbered and someone always needs something, right? So a lot of times I've just gotten in the habit of multitasking. When they come and talk to me, I'm staring at my phone, getting stuff done, I'll answer them, whatever. But the problem is my kids have grown accustomed to seeing me looking at my phone and not looking in their face. And this is a problem for a few reasons. One, they don't feel truly heard or they don't feel truly important because I know when I'm talking to somebody and they keep looking at their phone, I only feel about 10% important. In fact, sometimes I feel 0% important because it's just so rude. <laughs> but if someone is looking up from their phone to give me eye contact and engage with what I'm saying, I feel 100% important. So our mission is to make our kids feel 100% important. Put the phone down. I have to do this. I am preaching to the choir. Put the phone down. And I have been intentional about this and I've been finding it's not that hard. I just turn my phone over when they're standing there for more than, you know, five seconds, turn it over, pick up my face and I talk to their eyes. It's very simple, but you know, my twin sister, she has been doing this since her kids were born. She's done it on purpose and she is a busy working full-time mom, three young kids, husband is in the Navy, so he's not always around. And you know, her kids are obsessed with her because and she even mentioned, she goes, I think they love me so much because I'm so intentional to give them my full attention when they're talking. Think about it. She is constantly cultivating a climate where her kids feel seen, heard, and valued in that simple little practice. So try not to multitask when your kids are talking to you. Stop and give them your full attention. Um, and so those are the four barriers that can get in the way of us creating this environment where they feel seen, heard, and understood or valued. All of these things break down respect. If I'm judging what they're saying, they don't feel respected. If I'm formulating a response and, and I'm maybe interrupt them to give them my answer, they don't feel respected. If I'm just listening for facts and I'm not listening for their heart, they don't feel respected. If I'm multitasking while they're talking to me, they're not going to feel respected. Now, respect is a two-way street. If you as the parent want respect, you have to give respect because again, your kid is now looking at you through more of an adult lens. How another adult would view you is kind of how your kid is starting to view you. If you, would, if you would be respectful to another adult, which I hope you're respectful to your children, but that, that looks a little different maybe as they get older. The way you define respect looks a little bit different as they get older. And so as they're getting older, just keep in mind, like respect is a two-way street. It is different than authority. Just because you're listening to them and validating their voice doesn't mean that they're the boss, but it does mean that their voice matters. Okay, so here are some ways to listen well. You ready? The goal is to understand and have compassion and empathy. Firstly, do to others as you want others done to you to do to you your children do to them as you want them to do to you if you don't want them raising their voice at you don't raise your voice at them if you want them looking at you in the eyes when you're talking to them look at them in the eyes you need to seek to understand and then to be understood if we 
if we go into the conversation, every single person, their first priority in a conversation is to feel understood. Everyone. We as the mature part of the conversation, the mature party, have to make the decision to put their need first and say, I'm going to listen to understand you and then I'll earn the right to be understood. Doing this with spouses is really powerful. Doing this with anybody in any conflict is really powerful and it's actually how you diffuse the conflict. Give understanding. Listen to communicate understanding. It literally will diffuse the situation every single time. And then you will earn the right to be understood. It's not easy. I'm not gonna lie to you right now. It's not easy. It is not unicorns and sparkles. It takes an intentional decision to kind of inside yourself, put your, your needs that are kind of pressing on the inside to set them to the side for a moment, intentionally engage with what the other person is saying, listen and really try to hear what their heart is saying. Really seek to understand where they're coming from. If you can see it from where they're coming from, suddenly they're going to feel validated, they'll feel respected, they'll be seen and heard. It'll, it'll help situations so much. And you'll probably have a different response or you might have a different response. Okay, and then the rest of the foundation we're building on, do to others as you want others to do you, seek to understand and then be understood, and then respond appropriately. We talked about the heart talk and head talk. So those are the foundations that we're building these four steps on, okay? So here are very practical steps you can take when you're trying to listen well to your child, these are the four steps you can take for good quality listening, okay? Again, your goal is to create this climate where they feel seen, heard, and understood, and here are some steps to make that happen. Firstly, uh, the word that it's like an acrostic, rasa, R-A-S-A. Now, it's a, it's a Middle Eastern term. It means like juicing. <laughs> I don't know that has any bearing to do with anything, but if you can remember the word, rasa, R-A-S-A. R stands for receive. Receive what your child is saying to you. Receive it. Just make space for it. Just receive what they're saying with appreciation. Just let them talk. Give them space to talk, right? The A stands for appreciate. Appreciate what they're saying. And say things like, hmm, and this is how you can show appreciation, is show value for what they're saying, show understanding, is you make those little phrasings and sounds like, hmm, Oh, wow. Oh, that sounds hard. Just little acknowledgements that show them you're appreciating everything that they're sharing with you right now. S stands for summarize. So R is receive what they're saying with an open heart, open mind. Don't judge it, receive it. A is to appreciate with, then when they do talk, offer the sounds of affirmation. Huh, wow, okay. And then S is summarize. The word so is very, very important here. So you can let the word S or let the S represent the word so if you want to. But basically, you're going to want to summarize what they're saying. So you can say, so what I hear you saying is your teacher is really frustrating you because you feel like they're not understanding how challenging the class is or whatever. Summarize what they're saying. When you do that, you're, you're giving them the opportunity to either clarify the message they're trying to stay, send, or you're sending the message that you do actually genuinely understand them. And then the last letter is A, which is ask questions and affirm them. Ask questions. And this is very, very important. Asking questions allows the conversation to grow and develop. 
if you just stop at, so what you're saying is, blah, if you just stop there, it's going to be a very short-lived kind of one-dimensional conversation. But when you ask questions, what you're doing is you're communicating that you're trying to draw their heart out. Proverbs says that um, the matters of the heart are deep waters, but a wise man or a man of understanding draws it out. The heart is complicated, it says, but a man of wisdom draws it out. So when you ask questions after your child is trying to talk and you ask questions that allow them to process their own heart, allow them to process different angles of the situation, and just by asking questions in general, you show them you're interested, you care, you want to hear more, you're really listening, their heart matters to you, their voice matters to you, their perspective matters to you. I find that when I go to my boys and I ask them a question, like say I'm stumped on something, I'll be like, Benjamin, what do you think about this? And if I just ask him, what do you think about this? I find that he he walks a little taller for the rest of the day because it conveys respect. I respect your voice. I respect your perspective. When you ask questions after they've processed something, it conveys so many things. Respect, um, value for what they've just said, for their experience. It conveys understanding, true listening, safety, all of those things. So the foundation, again, is to create an environment where they feel seen, heard, and like they matter. And the practical steps to do this is... Your goal is to to understand them, to understand where they're coming from. If you if you give understanding, you'll have the you'll earn the right to have understanding with them later, right? Um, respond appropriately, heart versus head. Have a heart response when it's a heart need, and then have a logic response when it's a logic need. The steps that you go through is rasa r a s a. Receive what they're saying, appreciate what they're saying with simple affirmations like hmm, oh wow, okay summarize so what you're saying is and then ask questions and affirm them ask their questions and then affirm once you've ended the whole conversation it's always good as a parent to just affirm them because that builds their confidence in their decision making and their insight say things like you know what i really love how you worked that out i really appreciate how you decided to hold on to integrity i really appreciate that you're not letting other people's opinions sway you i really appreciate and just affirm call out something that they did well in that conversation i really appreciate that you are willing to search your heart about that and make some changes anything after you've asked your questions affirm them and listen these little things because a healthy relationship is not a matter of magic a healthy relationship is a matter of choices. You'll reap what you sow. If I sow things that will create and nurture a safe environment, I will reap a safe environment. And so as parents, we've got to meet our kids where they are as teenagers. They're, they're looking for independence. They're looking for your confidence. They're looking for your support, but they're looking to become an individual. And biologically, they are. They need your listening more now than ever in life before. So be a good listener. Just work on your listening. I know I made a few suggestions like the barriers and the different things. If anything jumped out at you, just hone in on that one thing. Just one little change can actually make a lot of difference and impact on the relationship. If it means putting your phone down and making eye contact. If it means asking better questions. If it means not being hasty. If it means being slow to respond and quick to listen and slow to become angry. Whatever it was that jumped out at you, let that become a motivator 
to propel you into a healthier relationship with your teenagers. And then I want to hear from you guys. If you implement these things and you start to see some changes, I'd love feedback because I'd love to share that with the listeners so that they can um, have just encouraging testimony that, hey, this really does make a difference. And so thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to stay tuned for the life hack because it's going to make your time of the month a lot easier, ladies. And to the men that are listening, because there's about 30% of y'all are men, which I just love. You can buy this life hack. There's a little thing you can buy. You can go out and buy it for your wife and just be like, here, honey, I just want to bless you. P.S. Use it when you're PMSing. (laughs) Okay, maybe you'll get in trouble for that. But just send the podcast to your wife and she'll love it. Anyways, you guys, thanks for listening and I will catch you next week. Okay, so for today's life hack, this is super simple, but... Since we're talking about parenting and moods and all the things, I thought what would be more appropriate than a little life hack to help you with your mood when it is that time of the month, ladies, or maybe even the few days leading up to that time of the month. So some of you guys experience this. I know I definitely have days. Usually it's only a few hours at a time where I literally feel like a dragon. Maybe the Hulk lives inside of me and I could pop off all the heads of all my children. I know it sounds terrible, but let's just be real. That's how life goes sometimes. So a couple of things I do. One is I will actually, this isn't exactly the life hack, but I do do it and it really does help. I will talk out loud to myself when I'm feeling like that. And I will calmly tell myself, Jenna Lee, you are not angry. You don't have to cooperate with these feelings right now. And I it's literally that simple. I just remind myself, you don't have to cooperate with these feelings. You don't have to be the, and I'm telling you, the moment I say it, my whole system calms down. It's so crazy. So, I don't know I don't know the science or the biology behind all of that or if it's just I'm telling my brain to chill out. My brain's like, "Oh yeah, that's right. We can chill." Anyways, it totally works. So, the other thing that I do is if you like to drink herbal tea or if you like to drink iced tea, um, this is a wonderful treat. And so anything with raspberry leaves in the ingredients, raspberry leaves, um, will help to balance your female hormones. And I find that like when I'm going into PMS, maybe it's four or five days out and I start to notice food cravings or, um, you know, like my body's starting to feel different or whatever, then I will start drinking raspberry leaf tea. And they actually have one at HEB. It's like a hibiscus raspberry. I think it's actually labeled as a hibiscus tea. But I looked on the ingredients and raspberry leaves is in the ingredients. So I bought it. And it's wonderful. It's no caffeine. It's really light and fresh for the summer. And I'll brew it up. I'll brew a hot cup in the morning. Brew a hot cup in the evening maybe. Um, Or if you're not in the mood for hot, you can brew it hot and then throw it over ice. It's so refreshing and just once or twice a day is all it takes to help balance your hormones. And y'all, I have found that all my symptoms are helped when I do this. So I'll be less fatigued, I'll be less crampy, I'll have less um, food cravings, I'll have less soreness in my body, and I'll have less moodiness. And so there's your life hack. I may have saved some of your relationships. Um, (laughs) uh, So anyway, so that's your life hack. Talk to yourself out loud. Tell yourself you don't have to be cranky. You don't have to cooperate with those feelings of raging monsters. And drink raspberry leaf tea once or twice a day when you notice your hormones are starting to get nuts. And it will really help. It'll take It'll help tame the dragon. So there's your life hack. Let me know any life hacks you guys may have that you'd love to share with some listeners. 
And I hope this episode was helpful for you guys. I love you. And I will see you next week. We actually, next week, I'm excited. We are going to have Amy West, who is an expert travel. Um, she's a travel expert. She will be on to talk about traveling, all these hacks. She's been on Fox News. She's been on all kinds of places um, as she is an established expert in the Florida area. And then the week after that, I'm hoping to have my sister-in-law on who is a travel agent who um, specializes in Disney. And I'll hopefully have her come on. Maybe I'll just merge the two. I don't really know. But we're going to talk about traveling with your family because it is that time of year and we all need some tips and tricks to make it more enjoyable and more affordable. So stay tuned for next week and you guys have a wonderful weekend. Love y'all. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. For those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media, thank you. Reading your comments and reviews always means so much to me. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, hey, it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Thank you to each of you for your ongoing support. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Until next time, remember... You've got this, and God's got you.